you need 44 seats to claim majority in the province of Alberta. Uh, it's, we're anticipating that one of them will do that. But what if they don't? What if we end up with 43-43 and um, we've got an independent? And, and this is where it gets absolutely wacky. Uh, we'll get into some of these scenarios. But even if one of them gets 44 and one gets 43, you still got to pick a speaker. So now you're at 43-43. It's really, really... I mean, there's all kinds of things that could happen. I understand it's a long shot. One in a million shot, Doc. One in a million. But could happen. So let's find out just how wacky things could get in the province of Alberta with Eric Adams, who is a legal historian, constitutional scholar, a lawyer, and a law professor at the University of Alberta. Put together a, a great Twitter thread on this over the weekend. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Shay, uh, happy Election Day, and I hope uh, all listeners have... Uh earmarked half an hour to uh, do, yeah. go do that most important civic democratic duty and cast a ballot today. Here, here. We've got uh, one of our producers out at the polls right now. We'll do a check-in after we chat with you and see how it's going. But from everything I've heard, it's been relatively smooth and pretty quick for most people so far today. Um, Great. Relatively smooth and uh, may not be where we are in about... I, I, like, we're going to talk about some hypotheticals here. But first of all, we're going to have a majority government. 99.9% certain of that, right? That's that's right. It, the, the, the time when minority governments appear, and interestingly, every province in Canada but Alberta, and of course we've had them at the federal level as well, every province has had a minority government. Alberta has not. But the conditions to create minority governments is that you've got to have at least three parties in play so that no one party has an outright majority of the seats. You've always got somebody or usually got a party with a plurality, the most seats, but they've got to partner with someone in order to get over that majority threshold. That's the case in, in Ottawa, the federal parliament right now, of course. Uh, we're not going to see that uh, tomorrow. I'm, I'm confident on that because of the dominance of the UCP and NDP. One of those parties walks away with a minimum of, uh, of 44 seats. And, of course, it may be a larger, more comfortable majority right. than that. Now, let's go through a couple of scenarios here. Let's say, and we'll get to the wild cards in a moment, uh, but it, we kind of have to have them in this conversation. But let's set that aside. It's 44, 43. That, that's how it ends up. One of the parties has 44. One has 43. Now you got to pick a speaker, which puts us at 43-43. So are we deadlocked? Is that a tie then at that point? How does that go forward? I, I think it's obviously, as you as you pointed out in your intro, I mean, it's fun to play these numbers. Yeah. It's probably unlikely that we're looking at this. But, of course, it's possible. I mean, the polls right now say there's going to be a very close race. And I think it's worth at least having these kinds of thought experiments. Uh, yeah, could we see a 44-43 um, uh, outcome? I think it's possible. And if that does happen, the legislature's first order of business, and this is not optional, this is mandatory, is that one MLA uh, will be elected the speaker of that legislative assembly. As soon as that person becomes speaker, they are no longer a part of the caucus. They are a representative of the entire assembly. Yeah, they're still an MLA, and of course they still have their political affiliation, but in our constitutional system, they're actually now a nonpartisan representative of the assembly, and they have to manage the assembly in, a, in fairness to all of the representatives. So as you say, if you've got 44, 
44-43, could you then end up with if you if the if the UCP has got 44 and, and Nathan Cooper say runs again to be the speaker, are you now at a, a a a tie in the assembly? Yes, that's possible. So so what happens? Well, you know, this is not a hockey game. It's not it's not really you know the last goal wins. Yeah, that's not how our system works. So we've got a stable system of rules that says, and it's for times like this, look, you always have a premier. The premier is not decided on election night. Election night decides who sits in the assembly, but the assembly will then figure out who is the premier and who is the government. And Ms. Smith will remain the premier for as long as she has the confidence of that legislature. So even if she is a, even if it's a very close outcome and she's down to the 43-43 with, and the speaker is now out of caucus, as long as she's winning votes of confidence, and let's assume that the independent member, Jennifer Johnson, if she's elected, is voting with the government, mm-hmm. I think we have to assume that, then probably um, she's going to win those uh, confidence um, motions if the speaker is forced to break that tie. Um, but as you said, this could get interesting, and it's not uh, un- unforeseen that if you've got someone step down or if you've got someone away from the, the legislative assembly because they're ill all of a sudden, uh, we could have votes of confidence that matter. You could see uh, a, a Daniel Smith government uh, lose a vote of confidence early in her mandate if the seat count is that close. It's possible. And you mentioned Jennifer Johnson. Uh, just so the listeners remember, she is, well, she, on the ballot, she will appear as the UCP candidate in uh, Pinocchio Lacombe. Although Danielle Smith has said she will not sit as part of the UCP caucus should she win this election. Uh, some of the comments she made around transgender kids, uh, uh, Danielle Smith said, that's it, you're out. Now, if it comes down to 43-43 and Jennifer Johnson wins her seat and she is that swing vote, my prediction is she'd be back in the UCP caucus by the time I'm on the air on Tuesday morning, but maybe not. Um, but wouldn't that be something, Eric, if you've got an independent, and it could be somebody else, it could be an Alberta party member, I guess, holding the balance of power. Now you've got an entirely different situation on your hands. I think that's right. And and I think it matters just how independent that independent right. candidate is. So obviously, if it is a member of a, of a third party all of a sudden that person has a tremendous amount of, of influence in the legislature. But if it's Jennifer Johnson, um, you know, realistically, I think there are quiet conversations that say uh, she would play ball uh, as a yeah. as a not a member of caucus, but as a, you know, she's going to sit in the penalty box, but she's obviously going to vote in, for the government's interests uh, until such time as she returns. That's how I would anticipate that playing out and there's another frankly wild card here too which is you know would the ndp be interested in actually bringing down a government in a quick uh, vote of confidence sometimes after elections uh the last thing anybody wants is for another election and so there'll be pressure on all the parties not to trigger an immediate election if we were dealing with this very close scenario but to make something work uh, and so there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, uh, polling and internal soul searching among all these parties. Uh, if, if this is the result, trying to figure out uh, how long can this new legislator, le- legislative assembly operate if we're dealing with a dead heat. And um, my prediction would be, based on historical examples, is that, you know, dead heat uh, 
uh, uh, assemblies at some point fall. Yeah, they don't um, last long. They, they, they don't last that long. Even though everybody says, you know, God, let's let's not have another election. Uh, in practice, they don't tend to work. So we'll see. Um, 43-43, if anyone's got that on their bingo card, it's going to make for a very interesting uh, six months. Okay, uh, good question on the text line in terms of, well, who has to be the speaker? Like, if it's if the UCP have 44 and the NDP have 43, why doesn't the UCP say, NDP, you've got to pick the speaker? I mean, how do we determine which party has to, it's voted on, but does the NDP have to submit somebody or is that fall to the government? How do we determine who must put somebody up for speaker? That's a great question. Any MLA can run for speaker. They all have a right to do so. And it's a secret ballot. So the people that, uh, that the people that vote in the election of who becomes the speaker are all the other MLAs um, in the in the in the House. And you sometimes have people from uh, the non-governing party put forward their name and 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 you know they they might have a lot of support in the assembly, um, but but that would be unusual. Almost always, what you get is somebody from the party steps forward, and of course they've got a majority seats or they've got the plurality of seats and that person ends up walking away with the speaker's role. And of course, the, the government of Daniel Smith is going to want a member of the UCP in normal times. If you've got a strong majority, you want a member of your party uh, sitting in that chair running the uh, proceedings of the assembly. So the texter asked a great question. Well, could the UCP say, well, you know, we don't want to lose a caucus member here. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're hanging on by the skin of our teeth. Uh, no one should step forward for speaker. Let the NDP do it. Well, if that's the calculus of the UCP, um, I think it's the, the, those same thoughts are going to occur to the NDP. And they're going to say, well, why are we helping out these guys um, by losing one of our members to the speaker's role? Uh, we don't, we, you know, we're not putting forward anybody uh, either. And, you know, that might result in a bit of a standoff for, for, for a minute or two, I suppose. But at the end of the day, um, I think the convention would be is that the government itself uh, and, and this will remain the UCP government of, of Daniel Smith if she if she wins a majority of the seats um, has the responsibility of ensuring that there is a speaker. I don't think that responsibility would fall on the NDP if 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 they're not uh, if they're not government. So if uh, if there's a standoff, I predict that that standoff would have to be answered by someone from the UCP stepping forward. Amazing. Just amazing. And you know what? I mean, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility here, Eric. We could, uh, you know, read the polls whatever way you want. We know it's going to be close. It could be that close. We'll have to wait and see. You got it. It's not science fiction. We're talking about possible outcomes. Um, now, when you're dealing with something as, as small as, as these number gaps, it's not the likely scenario, but it's possible. And uh, it's, it's, it's all the more reason why everybody in this province has got to get out today and vote. Gotcha. Eric, great stuff. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the day, Shay. Yeah, you too.